Hello everyone and welcome once again to Motos and Friends. It's the weekly podcast brought to you by the editors at Ultimate Motorcycling. My name is Arthur Coldwells. Whether you define the new Royal Enfield shotgun as a cruiser or a bobber, it is certainly an awesome looking retro styled motorcycle. Kelly Callan recently spent a couple of weeks with the new version of the 650 Twin and she gives us her thoughts on it. In our second segment this week, TJ Adams chats with the one-time USA Coast to Coast speed record holder, Andrew Pieper, about the trials and tribulations of that challenge. The shortest distance between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans is the distance between Jacksonville, Florida and San Diego, California. To attempt to do this trip in one go isn't an easy endeavor and it requires a lot of pre-planning and a team of people to help make it a success. Andrew's time was very recently beaten by just a few minutes, so naturally he's planning on getting the record back. His chat with TJ is an interesting insight into his preparation and how he actually did it. So, from all of us here at Ultimate Motorcycling, we hope you enjoyed this episode. So we're talking about the new uh, Royal Enfield Shotgun 650, I believe. Yes, we are brand new from Royal Enfield. It's the fourth in their uh, parallel twin line. So they're just rolling them out. And it kind of have it has its own little niche, which is it's a great look, um, a little bit bobber styled. Um, I absolutely love the solo bicycle type seat that it has on it. It just really paints a picture when I see it. And um, it has a real cool look to it, real spare look. Of course, Royal Enfield is really good with all their detailing and styling anyway. So this one fits right in there like that. It's equipped with the uh, the 650 twin engine, isn't it? Yeah, same engine that's in the um, INT 650, the Continental GT 650, and the Super Meteor, which I rode a couple of months ago. So, And that's a wonderful engine really um friendly it's just so pleasant to ride it's just and easy easy handling and it just has a good vibe to it it's a sort of a slightly different take is the is the riding position comfortable i mean it it looks like it's really easy to ride the riding position it's upright there's just the slightest lean toward the um handlebar not uncomfortable at all it's just kind of enough to give it a little bit more of a sporty feel than let's say the super meteor which is you know their cruiser um cruiser style bike so this one is very comfortable the foot pegs are not forward they're not back they're really just kind of neutral it's a little bit taller well it's it's taller than the super meteor and that makes sense um, but not too tall for me i've got 30 and a half inch inseam and i could flat foot it because even though it is taller a little bit taller um, the seat height's actually what a little over 31 inches but it's uh, narrow in that seat because it's got that bicycle type seat saddle so it's it's still um very easy to handle and it kind of rides a bit low anyway because of the, the rear suspension is lower talking about the engine first of all the sort of the heart of the motorcycle um, I know you've ridden other Royal Enfields. How did this one sort of compare? Well, it's pretty much, it's the same engine, the Super Meteor, um, same engine. And it has so much nice torque and it's very broad. So it's it that just makes it easy to handle. And the natural environment for this bike, to me, I rode it in a bunch of different um, situations commuted to work on it so I was on the freeway did some riding in the hills we can talk about that um wide sweepers and so forth but around town is really the sweet spot for it and because of that engine and the way the power is delivered so smoothly it's like you click up to like fourth or fifth gear even and just kind of roll along roll on roll off as conditions change it's just easy Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, Royal Enfield motors aren't high horsepower motors, but they do have a lot of torque. So that I'm sure that makes it very easy. And and obviously 
you know, they're fuel injected. So I assume that it's pretty smooth and and uh, and easy to ride. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's one of the nice nicest uh, elements of the bike. The personality of the bike is that engine. It's just I use that word pleasant, and I don't mean that in any kind of a negative way because uh, people might think that's you know boring, but it's just so not. It's it's just really fun for a casual and relaxed riding. Doesn't mean you can't you know twist the throttle. It's got enough you know grunt to get going it's not fast though like you said it's not gonna you know it's not a sport bike exactly no no but i have read i have ridden the uh the interceptor quite a bit um which is the which is the same motor and um and i found that if you'd sort of you know if you ask ask some revs of it it actually will produce some pretty decent speed i mean it's not a slow bike but it's it's not designed to be a performance bike. It's a it's an easy riding kind of motor, and it sounds like the shotgun is is really pretty much the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking about. I mean, as you said, it it doesn't accelerate <clears throat> doesn't accelerate really quickly. But like when I was getting on the freeway, um, you know, I'm kind of clicking up the gears. It's got a lot of torque there, so it's easy to do that. But you can also just um, uh, hit the rev limiter it was kind of soft but just like pretty pretty easily um six gear is like an overdrive i mean it's, it's nice that it's there but it, it, you could be in fifth gear and not even realize it you know right right yeah okay so so excellent so what was what were the other things that uh things like the clutch and, and the gear shift? I mean, were they all pretty smooth and, and pretty easy to operate? Oh yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where you kind of you go like, oh yeah, what 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 about that? What did I think about that? Because it was so it was so in the background and did what it was supposed to do, you know, shifting gear, even if you hadn't gotten yourself into neutral before you've come to stop or whatever, it's not not really any problem. Everything was seamless with the gearbox. I was impressed yeah yeah excellent okay <clears throat> well moving right along then uh what was the uh what was the suspension like i i see that it's got a uh an upside down fork on it which is actually pretty sporty um and twin shocks at the rear so how how were they yeah it's kind of funny i the upside down fork to me seems uh, it's on the super meteor as well and i to me that just seems like an odd thing to do you know for the look of this bike to me, you've got a little bit more of a, an old school look, especially with the twin shocks. But, you know, the, the fork works, works well. The front suspension better than the back, but it's got more to work with. You know, the back is three and a half inches, so it feels a bit stiff, but you can understand that because there's not that much there. Um, but around town, which, as I said, was a sweet spot for the bike, it really is just fine. You're not going all that fast going down boulevards. I mean, you're going, to, you can go a good clip. You could be going 40 or 50, but, and some of the roads around town, as you know, are in need of repair. Um, the bike really handles it pretty well. You feel it in the rear, you know, on a harsh bump, um, you know, it'll bump me out of the seat a little bit, uh, but the bike itself doesn't get unsettled in any way. So it's, it's not really a problem. And when the roads, you know, when there isn't a bump, it's just, it's very comfortable. Sure. And I would imagine the handling, since it's, since it's fairly stiff, I would imagine that the handling is really pretty good. I mean, you can probably, you know, dial it into a corner pretty easily. It looks like, looks like that kind of machine. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, we took it up into the hills and on the way, um, on one particular ride, we went, along Sepulveda Pass, which has some nice big sweepers that you can go really fast, you can go really fast on. And, you know, I could kind of feel the weight of the bike on those because I was at speed, you know, kind of going pretty fast. And you, you feel that it's like it turns, it handles, but you feel it. And as we got up onto Mulholland and went along the top of that ridge there, it tightens up, you slow down, the bike felt lighter. And so the handling to me was actually better in the tighter, slower stuff. And I enjoyed it okay. there. Now, right. you know, if you, if you hit rough road, it, it, 
absorbs what it can, but it is not the best, but you're going slower. So it's, it's not that big deal. And when it's not bumpy, most of the road actually was pretty good. It's, it's fun. And as you said, I mean, the handling's neutral. You can still, you can turn it. Not bad. I will say I scraped the foot pegs on both sides unexpectedly. I didn't think like I was going that tight, but you know, the wheels on the bike, you've got 18 in front, 17 in the back. Do I have that right? Um, uh, yeah, 18, 17, sorry, sorry. Anyway, it has an 18, 17 um, wheel combination on it. So it is, you know, it is kind of sporty, certainly sportier than the, um, the cruiser, the super meteor. Um, but again, it's, it's not that tall, relatively speaking. So the fact that it's scraped, okay, not surprising. Um, it didn't upset the bike, kind of surprised me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So in other words, it, it's, it's really a sort of a modern feeling bike. Um, but with that sort of the cool, slightly retro, you know, sort of slightly cruiser kind of look to it. Yeah. I, the look of it to me is, is really a big part. Well, I guess you could say that about most motorcycles. That's what draws yeah. people to choose this one over that one. But I, I really enjoy the look of it. Um, one the day I, we picked it up, in fact, I did a long ride home along all the surface streets going across um, Valley Boulevard, which is one of the older uh, streets in the San Gabriel Valley, uh, San Gabriel Valley. And just going along at a, you know, kind of moderate pace. I just enjoyed this bike so much. And it kind of was, it made me feel like a throwback to old times, you know, and I, in certain places, when I had to stop at a light, you know, I could see people looking at the bike and the bike has an interesting, it, it kind of has the, it has an old school look, even though there are some modern touches to it. So, but people still kind of look at it and probably think it it's an older bike than it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've, they've done that very much on purpose and, uh, and, uh, and it, it's, it's really worked. Um, I see that it, it only comes or it, it comes with a single seat. So it really has no accommodations for a pillion passenger at all. Then. Actually, it does. Interestingly, um, it has foot pegs already on the frame there. So we assume that out of the many accessories, I can't even say it. Let me let me restate that. There are a lot of accessories for the bike and a passenger pillion is one of them. And it's. I believe just a twist of a key to get the seat on and off. We haven't experienced it yet, but that's what it looks like it's going to be. So yeah, they envision that that's a choice somebody can make if they want to ride it that way. To me, I just look at it and I just love it with the single seat, but it has passenger pegs already there and ready to go. So Interesting. That's very, <clears throat> that's quite clever. Um, so you can, you can add a pillion if you want to, but probably most people won't. Um, and it does, like you say, it keeps the, the rear end looking really clean. Yeah. And that really cool. The rear seat, if you, I'm sure you've seen the picture of it. It's like cantilevered. It'd be cool if it had a spring under it. So you got a little <laughs> bit, you know, a little, a little bit extra there. Um, little old school. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking another, another, um, place I was riding, it was down Hollywood Boulevard which is so cool. I'll, you know, it's always fun to go down there when it's busy. Um, we were down on the weekend. I don't know why this is January, but there were what's, there were a lot of tourists there. I, I say what seemed like, no, they were tourists. You can just tell when you look at people standing there, I don't know what it is, but you can tell tourists from natives, they were They're tourists. Right. And, you know, it just felt like this is the perfect place to just kind of be cruising down and showing off this cool looking bike. And it's just, and from there, you know, we went exploring in some of the hills. And again, it's it's just one of these bikes that because the handling is so easy, you just kind of meander through like, oh, there's a street there. I don't know where that goes. Let me go down that one. And then you go down it and you find out this is up in the hills. They didn't mark it, but it's it's a dead end. Like it goes nowhere. 
but the, <laughs> right. the, the shotgun carries its weight really low. So even though it's almost 530 pounds, which kind of sounds like a lot, you can make a turn and handle that slow speed handling is no problem at all. So, you know, unexpectedly, whoa, the street just ended and I'm kind of going uphill and I'm going to have to make this turn. It's just like no problem. So that's one of the things that makes it really fun to ride is that it's not a handful in any way. Right, right. Um, I see that it has um, a single front disc on it. Um, are the are the brakes pretty um, pretty decent? Are they adequate? They're they're adequate. That's it. They are adequate for what you really are going to be doing on this bike. I mean, as you said, you can twist the throttle, and you could the bike is willing to go. You know, you can go fast on it. You can go past legal speeds easily on this bike. You're not going to stop quickly with that single disc up front and your your vibrary um, calipers. It's just not going to happen but people aren't riding it like a sport bike so i didn't ever feel like uh oh crap I, i'm going too fast and this is a problem um i will say also uh, first off just the handle the um engagement of the of the brake is really nice it's soft nobody's going to get in any trouble with it squeeze it harder and that's when you're going to extract the most out of it um i'm somebody who tends to use the rear brake a decent amount, just kind of in addition to the rear brake, which is a 300 as opposed to the front, which is 300, uh, a 320 millimeter. The... You use the rear brake in addition to. What did I say? That's all. I use the rear brake in addition to. Oh, the, the un, unfinished sentence. Sorry. I have a bad habit of trailing off there. Let me start that over. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the shotgun has just a single disc up front, 320 millimeter disc, but it's really quite adequate for the way you're really going to ride this bike, which is not like a sport bike. Um, engagement sure. from the front lever, from the your right lever is um, as it should be. It's, it doesn't grab. You, you wouldn't expect it to. It's not that kind of bike, so I probably didn't even need to mention that. But anyway... The front brake is, is quite good, and the rear brake is surprisingly good. In other words, you get a lot out of that rear brake. You don't really need to supplement the front unless you want to stop very quickly. Let's say, you know, whatever, you got yourself going too fast, something happened, you want to stop, use both of them. Um, I was impressed. I think they're really well suited for the bike. And it, again, it's not a sport bike, so you're not expecting that kind of stopping power. Sure, sure. Okay, um, I, I, of, in the pictures, I'm not able to really see the uh, the instrument cluster um, or the instrument panel um, easily. So, does it have sort of uh, an old school style clock, or or is it more of a uh, an LCD display of of some some description? Uh, you know what? I I can't even tell you that one right now. I don't remember. Old school, yes. Uh, okay. So okay, so, blog, no. so sorry. All right, so let's yeah. uh, let's ignore. Yeah, that let's. <laughs> um, I forgot. All right. Yeah, I mean, we didn't talk. I didn't say anything about the engine back when we were talking about the engine in terms of the fact that it's air cooled, single overhead cam, two valves per cylinder. So kind of old school architecture, which is kind of cool, and maybe that's one of the other reasons why the bike is appealing looking when you right see it. Uh, yeah. Although, although the engine is liquid cooled, which is uh, obviously, you know, helps with reliability well, and so air -cooled. on. Air cooled. Air cooled. Oh, it is air cooled. Yeah. But, it has, but it has a radiator up front in the pictures. So uh, maybe that's some sort of oil cooling. Oh, yes, it's air oil. Sorry, air cooled, but it does have oil cooling too. Sorry. Okay. Uh, no, not at all. Um, that, that was my fault. Okay, so let's let's start that again so that I can uh, sort of insert it into the motor section. Okay, so talk so again talking about the motor, um, it's oh, air oh, and oil cooled. It, it it has an oil cooler, but it's not oil cooled. Okay, it's not like all right, Suzuki GSX. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't yeah. Okay. an oil. What when I do the specs, now, <clears throat> if 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 something's air cooled, if it has an oil cooler, even if it has a regular radiator i also say i'll say liquid and oil cool 
okay. because they're using that that as part of the cooling system. Right. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You'll have to explain that to me later. And hello, I, how are you doing? <laughs> you'll have to because <laughs> I don't understand the oil component of that. If you have oil running through the engine, right, it gets hot. Right. If you have an oil cooler, it cools the oil. So the oil going oh, back in oh, I cools see. the engines. Right, but we're still air cooled. But air is still pushing by letting it radiate away from the engine. Right, with the fins, with the fins and all that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so talking about the motor, um, it, it it because it has a radiator on the front, but it is not liquid cooled. It is actually an air cooled motor, and that radiator on the front is is simply an oil cooler. Is that correct? Yeah. So this and this is what's kind of cool about the look of the bike to me is still got the fins. It's it's this old school architecture to me. You know, looking at it, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Simple single overhead cam, two valves per cylinder. Right. It works. It works, and it doesn't vibrate much. It's pretty smooth, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I, in fact, the model that we tested had accessory bar end mirrors, so there was there's no buzziness in it. Oh, I actually haven't speak. Speaking of, I haven't talked about riding it on the freeway, so right. I will say, uh, it's totally planted and solid on the freeway, no problem. The only the only time you kind of go, oh, I'm on this bike on the freeway is when you hit one of these expansion bumps, which we have around L.A. on the freeways. And, you know, it bounces you out of that seat. That's not real comfortable. But, you know, that's our crappy roads. The bike is solid, <laughs> is planted. The uh, seat Zoom Cruise tires have no problem with the rain grooves. I didn't talk about the tires on the twisty roads yet. So I, I'll go back and talk about that. But the bike's totally... It, it works if you need to be on the freeway. Wind blast is kind of minimal, even though there's not a wind, any kind of a little fairing or windshield or anything on the front of it. Um, if you're going okay. kind of legal speeds, it's fine. Okay, great. So I see it comes equipped with the uh, the seat tires or SEAT tires, however you pronounce it. What, what were those like um, sort of in the canyons when you were riding? They were great. I think they really, really do the, okay. uh, as I had already said, the bike handles really nicely when you're going slower in the tight, tighter turns and it just feels really solid and you could lean into turns and no worries there. When I was going faster on the sweeping turns, it holds its line quite well. That's, I guess, what I hadn't really said about it before. It holds lines it holds its lines very nicely at speed. So when you want to turn, you have to put a little bit of, a little bit more into it. Was it comfortable? It's totally comfortable. It, it's one of those bikes where you throw your leg over, sit in the seat, and it just feels natural. And in fact, that day I was riding it back from when we picked it up, I, I felt like I could just lose myself for another few hours I mean, it already took me, I think, maybe two to get back home, but you could just keep going. If if the days weren't short and the temperature's coming down, it has that kind of vibe where, and it's so comfortable that you could just kind of keep going. And I love, that's Fantastic. one of the things that I love about writing, of course, is it takes your mind off, you know, you kind of forget about other things, stresses in your life. And then when you have a bike with this kind of um, just low-key personality, and so easy to handle, you just keep going. Now you would possibly run out of gas. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit smaller tank than on on the cruiser, um, on the Super Meteor, but it's perfect. It, it looks good with with the bike. The low gas light comes on early, so while I was riding around, it's like the low light came on. Didn't address that immediately you know kind of kept riding for a while and eventually put gas in and then it didn't even take a full two gallons so it's it's kind of quick on telling you it's low which i guess there's something to be said for that you're not going to run out but again to me this bike just slots into an around town the greater metropolis whatever you're not going to be far from a gas station anyway so whatever 
okay sounds like a like a really nice bike and and it sounds like you really enjoyed riding it you had a lot of fun with it i did and i got a couple on the same day that i was riding home so it was like all this positive feedback on it <laughs> um you know i'd be at a stop and waiting for the light kind of glance around and it's like oh the guy over there's looking at this bike giving me a thumbs up that's cool then i keep going down the road and then when i get closer to home and there's kind of like a fast part another motorcyclist like came up we were filtering to the front he was in another lane over and we took off because there's all this nice you know low torque what took off in front of the cars and he was like we're racing up the road not racing okay we're going at a a fun clip and he's just like thumbs up you know so it's it's a fun bike and it kind of um invites smiles from other people as well and that's always fun yeah that's great um i don't think they've um announced a price yet have they they have not so i don't know uh it comes in yeah. four different colors but as we said at the beginning of this um royal enfield just is really great with their styling and details the one we had is, was stencil it's called stencil white one of the details i can't even say detail because it's large is on the tank they've stenciled this zero one on the tank it's pretty big even though they've kind of cut off a little bit of it you know styling and all that but it you know referencing back to 1901 the first year that they manufactured a motorcycle so it's cool when there are little things on 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 the bike like that that are not so obvious but they you know you kind of look at it and go oh what's that you know kind of makes you turn and look um the other there's a blue there's a green there's a gray they always have cool names for these colors um there's something that's going to appeal to everybody you know they they all have little details i think the gray one is the one that's maybe the plainest but they're all cool looking and they paint a picture yeah i i really like the look of it i think it's uh, i think they've they've nailed it yeah and the the, the quality of it also as, as you've seen uh, is really is really high I, again we don't know what the price is but the price on let's say the super meteor is really I think quite good for what you're getting. And again, with this bike, because it's something that could be used for, you know, your, your around town riding, you can commute on it. Uh, you can do some riding for fun in the hills. And yeah, it's not sport bike riding, but it's still sporty, you know? So it's, it's really a capable, fun bike. And I, I bet it's gonna come in at a good price. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much, Kelly. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your insight and uh, and uh, enjoyed hearing about it. It looks like a really cool bike. Yeah. Oh, it. you bet. I really enjoyed it. And um, as I said, it's, it's fun to ride a bike around like that, that uh, not only are you having a good time on and, and that you can kind of lose yourself in, but that it gets attention from other people, you know, and it's not getting the attention because it's like, whoa, it's this racy sport bike. But it's just kind of that bike that makes people smile, you know, because it's got that retro look that appeals to just about everybody on some level. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a really cool vibe to it. Very cool. Okay. You bet. Thanks, Arthur. Bye. In our second segment this week, TJ Adams chats with the one-time USA coast-to-coast -coast speed record holder, Andrew Pieper about the trials and tribulations of that challenge. The shortest distance between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans is the distance between Jacksonville, Florida and San Diego, California. To attempt to do this trip in one go isn't an easy endeavor and it requires a lot of pre-planning and a team of people to help make it a success. Andrew's time was very recently beaten by just a few minutes, so naturally he's planning on getting the record back. His chat with TJ is an interesting insight into his preparation and how he actually did it. I want to know how you felt once you, you realized you'd set a world record. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty strange feeling to, you know, because there's it's not like there is a, a, a celebration party waiting for me at the end. Like it, it's just me and it's like, you know. 11:30 at night on the beach like there's not a lot of people around and you're, you're the only one who knows you and the guys in your helmet but <laughs> yeah it's pretty ridiculous just grinning all over the place 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Into your yeah. chest, I would be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A lot of ah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> How did you first sort of um, get into into the the lovely world of motorcycling? <laughs> yeah, I, I've really ever since I was a kid, I I just always thought they were cool machines. Uh, I just would watch them and think, man, like those are guys are really cool. I thought it was neat that you got to dress up like a Power Ranger when you wanted to go somewhere. I, I, they just always seemed cool. Uh, no one else in my family thought so, but I was also the only boy besides my dad. So. Uh, and so when I first got my license, the uh, cheapest thing to get was a bike. And so, uh, yeah, so I had a bike uh, ever since I was first able to get my license. And yeah, I've just always loved them and been riding ever since for like 16 years now. That's fantastic. It's funny when there's nobody else in the family that rides, um, nobody's there to teach you how somehow you just have a feeling for the two wheels. Right. Yeah. I'd always been a little bit more on the adventurous uh, side of things and uh, ha having four sisters in the house might have driven me out of the house to seek more things like that. But yeah, uh, yeah, I just always uh, I was always thought it was like, man, like this seems like something I would I would enjoy. What sort of adventures did you get up to? Are we talking sort of, uh, you know, crazy stunts? Jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> uh, I have done that. Yes. Yeah. Jump, jumped out of airplanes. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. Hiked, hiked the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. Wow. What was that like? That was incredible. That was just, uh, that was, I was, my, my that was my longest uh, solo hiking, uh, camping trip. And uh, originally I, I, I didn't want to go uh, that far I just wanted to do rim to rim and I would have been happy but I was by myself and I didn't have anybody else to to go with me and if you get like a shuttle from uh there's there is a a shuttle service that transfers you from the from rim to rim but it's the Grand Canyon so it takes like an hour and a half ride to to get around the whole thing so it was a pretty expensive shuttle at the time and so I just said well I'll just hike to the rim and then I'll hike back to the other rim and so that was pretty incredible. Just, yeah, just amazing scenery and uh, a great night sky. How long did that take? Because I looked over the edge and thought, who on earth would do this? <laughs> camp overnight at the bottom or something? Because you go down <laughs> one side and up the other, don't you? Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I uh, hiked down in one day and camped to the bottom, uh, hiked up the other day and camped to the top, hiked down, camped to the bottom again and hiked up back the other what? day. So, Clearly you didn't get eaten by bears or wolves or anything <laughs> no no yeah the, yeah most wildlife you saw were, were donkeys and mules <laughs> <laughs> wow okay and, and what else have you done you said you jumped out of a plane oh yeah that was yeah just a, a normal skydiving thing uh it was it was pretty cool because i was in florida and so the the skydiving place was next to uh, Cape Canaveral so they were kind of giving you like an aerial tour of Cape Canaveral as as you got up to altitude there and that was pretty cool um not the not the biggest adrenaline rush that i that i thought it was going to be because there's there's no sensation of falling it's just you kind of just lean over and then there's just a whole bunch of wind pressure that's not you don't have like that sinking feeling that you get like on roller coasters and stuff oh, interesting but it was uh it was still a lot of fun uh yeah so i've, I've uh jumped off you know 70 foot cliffs in the colorado river and uh, my first, uh, 14 or, or mountain that's over 14,000 feet. Uh, I, I climbed, um, uh, by myself in Colorado. And then when I was at 12,000 feet on that mountain, I found out that it was not just any mountain, it was Colorado's deadliest mountain and <laughs> to be very careful. So, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I guess we're going to continue through this with this now that we're nearly there. Doesn't sound to me as though that would have put you off. You sound like you're just game for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Within reason, yes. I I try I try I try and take uh, aggressive but calculated risks. <laughs> On the motorbikes, you 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 got your first bike, and what was that? Uh, that was a 1982 Suzuki GS 450L. Just a small cruiser bike. It, it was a great starter bike because it had uh, gear indicators on the on the 
on the handlebars. So that was a, a nice feature to have for a new rider. But yeah, that was my first bike and then had several since then. And and pretty much always, I, I daily, I didn't even have a car until college. So I, I daily rode every, everywhere. So I always had cruisers for the comfort side of things and didn't ha get my first sport bike until uh, after college when I was out in California. And you've always been on the street. Did you try any dirt riding or anything other than sort of um, commuting on the roads, that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, I've, I've done a little bit of dirt riding. Um, I, in California, there's out in the desert, there's there's some pretty uh, big stretches of desert that rent four by fours and dirt bikes and things and rode a little bit out there with some friends, but haven't extensively done done a whole lot of uh, off-road. Didn't get drawn into that. No, yeah, I was, I was mostly everything's been on the road. So, how did this idea come about for setting a world record? Tell us a little bit about it. Had you heard about this run before? Where it's to and from? Just for people who don't know, sort of the the, the whole United States geography too well. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I I was familiar with the cannonball run like many people are which is a traditional cannonball run is from new york to la as just as fast as possible i remember my when i was in elementary school my dad pointed out in, in a newspaper article about it and i was like man that is crazy and then <clears throat> then saw you know the uh the cannonball movies and and then in my you just wandering through YouTube, I, f I found out the the different uh, guys who did do the cannonball at Bullion and Vinwicky and all those videos. So yes, one summer day in Florida, me and my buddy James are, uh, who's one of my writing buddies, is we're scrolling through YouTube and we see uh, a video with a title like I set the record for coast to coast on a motorcycle. And we're like, oh, okay, let's watch this. This sounds interesting. And so this guy, Axie uh, Kreef, had been around bikes most of his life. And he had had a BMW S1000RR. And he decided that he was going to try and set set the record. So he put a he fitted his bike with a auxiliary fuel tank and re-geared it for higher top end i think he he did like 100 miles an hour in first gear on that <laughs> Good, and uh so yeah we were just watching the story and then and he had he had a guy you know some guy tracking him online in his helmet and monitoring him and the, everything and so he he does a run and he does it does it with a time of like 31 hours and 10 minutes for an average speed of like 71 and a half miles an hour which is pretty impressive to go across the country with nonstop on a, on a bike. Uh, and so, but we, me, and my friend, Jan, we were just like, man, you know, that, that doesn't sound all that fast, like <laughs> 71 miles an hour. Like I know you're, it's most people don't understand how average speed works over a, a, a long distance. And, and I ran some numbers and for how many fuel stops you might need and how big a tank you would have to have. And, I was just like, man, like, I, I think this is beatable. Like, I know it, I'm sure it's tough, but I think it's beatable. And, and the driveway was my 1999 Honda Blackbird, a little in hundred. And so I was like, well, I mean, if there's a bike to go across the country at really high speeds, like that's probably one of the best bikes in the world. Yeah. The Honda Blackbird. Yeah. Phenomenal. So instead of uh, going from New York to LA, the traditional cannonball route, this is from Jacksonville, Florida to Dog Beach uh, in San Diego, California, because from Jacksonville to San Diego is the shortest distance across uh, the United States. It's 2,365 miles from end to end. So you're going coast to coast, ocean to ocean. Yeah, the shorter, shortest distance possible, coast to coast. Okay. That makes sense. Good old YouTube for, for um, giving you some crazy ideas. <laughs> Your friend didn't want to do it. You you did all the maths, the mathematics. Yeah, that's literally it. I was it just was one of those things that was in the the back of my mind for the next couple of weeks, and I was like, man, I think I could do it. I think I I, I think I really could do it. And so we, yeah we yeah then we found it. My friend had a old eight gallon fuel cell that he wasn't using, so we and my my bike was fitted for saddlebags and a, 
a top box. So we just removed the top box and put a eight gallons of fuel there and wired in a fuel cell, uh, a fuel pump and, you know, got a, you know, one of the nicer radar detectors out there and, and then hat was recording with the 360 camera and a GoPro and also rear geared mine for higher top end speed, you know, new tires, new chain. And, and then, yeah, we, then we just, uh, <laughs> set out to do it. And, and did you, were any of these things different to, um, the, the first guy, Axel, the sort of, uh, the way he had prepared work, anything that you were doing, was it extra or different to what he had done? Right. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. I, I, I had a, I had a larger fuel tank than what he had. I, I believe he only had like a three or four gallon extra fuel tank. And so I, I went with an eight gallon one. And so that, that would get me about 400 miles of range in between fuel stops. And so, yeah, that's pretty good. Averaging like 35 miles a gallon on, on that bike. How many stops did he have? And then how many stops did you have? I believe he had eight or nine fuel stops. And then I had, I stopped for fuel uh, five. So yeah. And it's just, it's just you, you know, getting off the bike and, then you don't have just one gas tank to fill up. You have two. So if there's room at the gas station, you go around to the other pump and have the, use two pumps at the same time to just try and reduce the amount of time that you're stopped. Oh, and not to get too personal. So did you wear a nappy or did you have a big enema before you went? How did you cope with? Um... Yeah. To, to help, help, help with that. I went on an Atkins diet for the 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 week prior since you you don't go number two on that diet very often is what i found in my research and then uh, yeah then for um then i did wear a a condom catheter for 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 the other part which did not work as as planned as as well as planned i should say it did not go as well as planned no because i i it would have worked it was a good idea in theory but the the riding position that the bike has you in, uh, it just, what it doesn't matter how bad you need to go. It, it just cuts off like all flow already. So unless you're standing, <laughs> unless you're standing up on the bike, it's, it doesn't work quite that well. So one, one of my fuel stops was longer because I was like, man, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I'd... when you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, did you have any sort of, uh, incidents, accidents, yeah, overall it was overall it was a very a very clean run. Yeah, never never got stopped by any law enforcement, and uh, there was one time in Arkansas where the 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 road was closed for like a mile, and so we had to detour on this surface street, and there's just a whole bunch of cars on this tiny little street for a mile or two and that was kind of slow going but uh that it was all pretty clean didn't have any problems with the bike i uh, had some some problems with my uh with my helmet uh, with my uh microphone i was uh, i was i had a, a team of people monitoring my my time and location giving me updates of traffic and weather and asked me how i'm doing but uh for whatever reason the mic i could hear them but my microphone just was not working like at all so that was that presented a little a few challenges but it was, overall it was, it, it was we we made it work so you had that one slow spot and um it sounds like you might have been breaking the speed limit so did you have any trouble with the law um no uh that was that that i i, I was running two phones so i was running both google maps and ways and both of those have have people reporting on uh uh police on 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 their apps and then i had a, a valentine one radar detector which also comes with a, its own app that's pretty advanced and not only does it will it give you updates about uh police up ahead but it'll tell you how many people have confirmed that there's someone ahead and then even if there's uh aircraft in the area it'll it'll uh if you're you're whether it's a uh, even if it's like a law enforcement, uh, like plane or helicopter, it has to be registered public and registered with the FAA. So it'll call out, Hey, there's a plane in this area. It's registered to, you know, Pinellas County Sheriff's department, you know, so it's probably looking for people who are speeding. <laughs> so yeah, very likely. 
uh yeah no yeah so everything for for uh for law enforcement was yeah i was alerted well ahead of time which is which is kind of funny to to you uh sometimes like you know like you're just two minutes ago there you were you know booking at 130 and then you slow down and there's they have a minivan pulled over you know and they that's they got the minivan not you <laughs> i have to add a disclaimer i'm not condoning this sort of behavior <laughs> no no and and i, I want to i do want to that's a, another aspect that we can we can also talk about is is for as as crazy as an idea like this is of setting a, a world speed record is an inherently dangerous thing to do after you accept that first premise absolutely everything you do is about prioritizing safety like how can we at for as dangerous as this is how can we make this as safe as possible so that everything goes into it uh the the cannonball run has a phenomenal safety record of not having any serious injuries no accidental deaths or crashes like that and so that was that was something that's that is uh, a very big thing as counterintuitive as it might sound to people safety was a, a very big priority because if you don't go into it with the safety being that then you're you're headed for disaster so with your two phones and your other bit everything how did you attach all that onto your motorcycle onto the blackbird so that you could see it all and use it all right yeah so i i usually so some some stuff i was able to attach directly to the handlebars or the or uh, mirror mounts where you know it had like it's, it's an angled bracket that where if you unscrew your mirror then it fits underneath the mirror and then down onto it or or just an additional mount that gave me additional service area uh like a, a small handlebar mount would mount around your handlebars and then it would come up and then it has a, a small metal bar uh just to put additional accessories so yeah two phones and two cameras and the radio detector and everything and wired up you know uh everything on its own uh circuit with uh in a, a fuse block and everything that's a lot and presumably you're togged up like a power ranger as you said <laughs> yes that's a, that's a good description how did you kind of manage to work everything you've got gloves etc right yeah so, so yeah we uh that was that was another m mistake that i had made was in my glove choice because as most people who ride bikes know usually usually touching phones or screens or <clears throat> things with gloves do not always work all that well and so i had gone to a uh, a motorcycle store to try and get some good gloves and the sales rep assured me that oh yeah these are the gloves that he used and they weren't great and you just kind of have to break them in so i got them a few weeks before the ride and was using them quite a lot and then but the time of the ride it, it just was not finding them to work at all every anytime i needed to, to touch my phone to to look at something else or to bring up something else i was just fumbling around and not and not being able to to use it effectively so i was like well i can either spend you know five minutes looking at my phone whenever I want to do something or I can just take my left glove off and just ride without a glove on my left hand and that way when I do need to use my phone I can be efficient with it so that's what I did pretty early into the ride and just rode with with one glove and so for a few weeks afterward I had a, a very weird tan line where my left hand was much darker than my right <laughs> what a shame you did the research I mean it's this is only recently 2022 you did this but since then even I think gloves have come along I've been wearing Cortex Insulite gloves and they have that um you know your fingers are touch sensitive they work fantastically yeah they have come a long way then there's even uh, like special fingertips that you can get and like ad adhere to your gloves that are conductive if if your gloves aren't aren't specifically made so that's yeah, yeah so that's that's been yeah uh something that's been a, a front runner and thinking about doing it again and so did you how long did this take this must have taken a couple of days right so i i left uh uh jacksonville at around eight eight uh eight thirty or eight fifteen uh uh friday uh thursday night and then i got into san diego around 11 o'clock on uh friday night on on friday night so i did it in 20 hours and 42 minutes for an average speed of uh 84 miles an hour 
Good grief. And you didn't eat anything in all that time? That's over a day. Uh, yeah. So for food and drink, I had uh, I had a hydration pack with just Gatorade in it. And then and then I had a bunch of uh, Cliff Bars and Energy Chews and a few uh, meal replacement shakes with me as well that I would that I would use when I stopped for for fuel so that was so that was what I what I, what I did for nutrition yeah you need some instant sort of uh high quality you're right yeah yeah high calorie yeah high, high, yeah high density high, high high calorie things to keep you going that was one one of the many ways you just try and find as many things to to track your ride as as possible is for verification purposes and so and, and backups and everything since things go wrong when they're running for 30 hours at a time and uh one of the things i was i wanted to track was with my smartwatch and it was a gps smartwatch and i was like oh this will be cool to just have you know ha have it and it'll monitor my heart rate the whole way and everything and it was doing a great job of that but once you put it into the actual gps tracking mode it just kills the battery and normally it lasts for like three or four days and it's not a problem but gps tracking really drains the battery so it only lasted like 12 and a half hours for 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 this ride but even in my even in that 12 and a half hour uh, of riding i i i'd gone you know like 12 or 1300 miles and i burned 2800 calories just riding a motorcycle <laughs> like almost 3000 calories so I'd be interested to see what my full calorie burn over that time pan. It, it's probably between like the seven to 10,000 range. It's it's pretty intense. That's a lot more than I'd have thought. I mean, I know it does burn calories when you're riding. And I, I wonder what a MotoGP rider burns during one race. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, did you have a completely low sport? Sort of what was your lowest ebb? Did you start thinking, oh, I need to wake up or did you get? just ultra achy and tired at any particular point right yeah the by by far the 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 end was the most challenging part uh, of it but because before you get into san diego you're coming out of this high desert and so you have to go through the mountains to get down to san diego and it's not particularly crazy mountain roads that you have to go through it, it's it's still all on uh the interstate but it's still you're winding up and down and going uh and going through and then uh i was also dealing with high winds there like 20 30 mile an hour winds and so uh and i was on my 26 hour of riding at that point and so uh you know and and, and it's dark and so that that part i i went very slow i was getting passed by cars i was getting passed by semis i i it, it was just took everything i had just to keep the bike upright and to keep moving down uh, and then once you get down out of the mountains and you know the gps says hey you're 45 minutes away you're just overly concerned about not doing anything stupid you know not making a wrong turn not dumping the bike at, at a red light or anything like it's you're you're very worried about just don't don't do something dumb that's going to cost you uh, so you know that was yeah the end was by far the the hardest and and then the start the start was probably the hardest just starting at the very at the very beginning because similar to the end like there's there's no guy with a checkered flag there's 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 no official countdown it, it's it's just you in a in a parking lot with strangers of wondering what this guy with you know 50 electronics on his bike is going to do and <laughs> so it's you just kind of convince yourself okay once i get on this bike like i'm not stopping until uh, I'm at the ocean now. I'm not stopping until I see the other ocean. Like it's it's pretty it's uh, an intimidating challenge. Yeah, it's a great um, mental test of your mental abilities and and the endurance of your your body. I mean, it's absolutely. Yeah. So, anything that you now wish you had taken that you you hadn't got with you? Yeah, I th I think uh, better gloves would have been uh, a, a big thing. A, a better uh, ha ha headset system so to not have the the audio issues that I had with my team and then I think I think you can go with a, a larger a larger fuel tank to to minimize your your stops a little bit more uh, I think I think getting it down to like three or 
like three fuel stops, I think is, is feasible. Uh, then yeah, there, there's, all, there's always a whole bunch of little, like the small little things that you just don't, that you don't, uh, small little details that you don't wouldn't normally think about, but like, it's, it's one, that's one very large project, but like for all the different problems and scenarios that you have to find to, to, to solve, to, to, to do a run like this, there's, you know, there's like 150 small little things that you have to think about. Sounds like you're on the right bike. I mean, the Blackbirds certainly, you know, came forth and delivered. Uh -huh. Yeah. The, yeah. There's the, the fastest bike in the world when it first came out and, it's a Honda, so I'm not worried about it breaking down on me. It had, you know, 65,000 miles on it when I did this. And another uh, semi-cool thing was I was contracting for uh, Lockheed Martin at the time. And so I was like, well, well, this is kind of kind of fitting that I'm setting a, a speed record with, you know, the Blackbird has the, 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 air, the air speed record for coast to coast. So now I'm going to have the land speed record on a, on a Blackbird. Nicely tied in. Yes, I like it. <laughs> you didn't feel like riding back again afterwards. So how did you get back home? Oh, I, I did. I did end up riding back uh, afterwards, uh, just as a, a much more relaxed, normal person pace. <laughs> yeah. So I hung out with some friends in San Diego for uh, a couple of days and then, yeah, then rode back over uh, a few days after that. Awesome. And um I mean, you have you have a regular day job. When you got back to work, is is everybody going? Yeah, woot! You did it. Yes, yeah, that was that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, I, yeah, my yeah my, I had to explain to my boss uh, of why I needed you know five or six days to go across the country and and to do this thing, and they approved it. So yeah, once I did it, uh, yeah, I texted them. I was like, yeah, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll be back when I can, you know. <laughs> So yeah, that was, that was, that was a pretty cool thing. Just leaving work that afternoon by everybody. And they're like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just riding to San Diego. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. How far are you going? Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So does this get recorded anywhere? Is it sort of an officially documented record or um, is it sort of one of those YouTube challenges that people just like to find and step up to? Right. Yeah. That's that's one of the more popular questions that I get is, uh, oh, oh, is it in the Guinness Book of World Records? And Unfortunately, no, because back in 1996, uh, Guinness stopped recognizing A to B records for liability concerns. Uh, they used to recognize everything. They they'd recognize, you know, New York to LA and you know Dallas to San Francisco and a whole bunch of if you if you you know uh, rode between two cities at a at a good clip and you know they would they'd put you in your in the book, but. Uh, yeah, they they stopped that when they said, ah, oh, there's a little bit of liability here and, you know, semi-promoting, you know, uh, illegal activity. So we're not going to to recognize uh, those anymore. So th there's an official, unofficial, uh, go just Google spreadsheet that has all the cannonball runs and then all the all the coast to coast runs. So it is it's recognized by the community, but it's not a it's not an actual Guinness uh, official world record uh, although i do have my eye on uh one or two of those that i, I would like to to maybe do down the road because it would be cool to have that official paper yeah well you've got some experience i mean what about the iron butt that's pretty well recognized yes yeah yeah that yeah the uh yeah that um yeah one of one of the one of the people who, who had it beh uh before me was uh greg rice and he's he's done i think uh I think I think he's rode like over two hundred thousand miles. Uh, do it just just by doing like iron butts and and iron butt burnt you know bum burner golds and and things like that. So I've never I've never done any any rallying, but I I think I'd like to try it uh, at least do like a you know a shorter like three or four day one because uh, it, it's something similar to this you know where you have you know a a, a challenge and a certain set of parameters and everyone has the same problems and things that they have to work through and how they're going to best tackle it so so yeah i've, I've thought about uh thought about doing uh, a rally or yeah maybe maybe try and sign up for for something like that but not a not a yet it's the exchange of information as you say people learn from each other and you learn from sort of doing something like this yourself are you challenging yourself to do anything similar again what's your next project yeah so <clears throat> so back in 
I believe it was August of last year, uh, August or October, I think of, of 2023, some, some other person on a Harley ultra limited beat my time by a measly 17 minutes. <laughs> and so I am far too competitive a person to just let that uh, sit by the wayside, uh, much less someone on the Harley doing it. And so, yeah, so uh, the wheels are in motion to to try and to try and uh, come back and and top it once again. <laughs> the gauntlet has been <laughs> right. Yeah, if you want to, you know, uh, like two hours when it felt way better, like two hours, you know, you beat it by two hours, like oh wow, like congratulations, that's an awesome run. But seventeen minutes over twenty four hundred miles, like how do you even do that, man? Like it's the the odds of being that close are just ridiculous. <laughs> like seventeen minutes is nothing. And what made him quicker than you? Do you think? Have you looked at his YouTube? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So he he had he had he had f fuel cells just uh, uh, just just uh, in his saddlebags. He had custom made fuel cells that fit directly into his saddlebags, and I think we had about about the same number of fuel stops. And you know he, he wasn't riding a, a super bike that could you know do the speeds of the Blackbird. You know his his bike topped out at relatively low you know like 110 115 something like that and so yeah he really just yeah just rode really hard uh the whole way and you know had you know good luck with traffic and and police and everything like that and so if, if you get you know lucky breaks with with traffic and weather and law enforcement it's uh you know you have to have a lot of you can do all the planning in the world that you want to for this run but you know you can still have an accident that clogs up the interstate or you can have weather system that comes out of nowhere any number of things that you can't really control how would you intend making up that 17 minutes that he's just beaten you by sorry to rub it in <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so so i'm so i'm going to so the plan anyway is to i have i have another bike i have a honda silverwing 600 which is honda's biggest scooter that they make and that has a similar top top speed to what his does and uh and so i am just trying to fix all the small mistakes that i made before and instead of an eight gallon fuel cell i'm going with like a 15 gallon fuel cell and just really just trying to go over the top on on everything that i can uh to, to try and minimize uh little little uh mistakes um i'm hoping for that this time would be a, a time the solo record for it is is pretty impressive it's like 25 it's in the 25 hour range uh i think he averaged around 93 or something like that i'm i'm not sure if that's if that's beatable on on the scooter anyway but that, that'd be uh, a time that I'm, I'm i'm shooting for to so we'd only have three fuel stops with with this proposed run and uh, uh you know everything would be yeah just kind of optimizing a lot better now that i know what i'm getting into you're able to to plan for plan plan, plan better <laughs> i like your thinking i mean a lot of it's got to be fitness surely you've got to sort of practice sleep deprivation because you mm -hmm. said your last point was when you got towards the end and you had the twisties through the the last bit of the canyon right so. yeah so for this for this run i would i, I would, i'm planning on start i'm starting in san diego so that way i have i, would, I get that out of the way uh at at the first uh and i uh, and I play uh, poker professionally, so I'm I'm used to long hours and long nights, and uh, you know, going without sleep and things like that. So I was so my body clock has has been used to being messed up for <laughs> for quite a while now. So did you notice a big difference from when you you had all the fuel on board to you know when it was sort of almost empty? Right. Yeah. Only, only really only at low speeds. Did, did you notice that? Oh, wow. There's yeah, quite, quite a bit of difference here. So, so really only, only when you first started uh, the bike up from the gas station, then getting right back on the interstate, but at, at, at speed on the highway, there wasn't too much of a, of a difference. Uh, I remember when I, before the run, when I was 
when I was uh, uh, just testing things out and I, I filled it up and was right around with it to see how it felt. I, uh, I, I did a wheelie very easily the first time because I was like, oh, well, wow, yeah, there's, there's quite a, weight, a bit of weight back there. It doesn't take much to get the, the front wheel up. <laughs> so I'll have to watch that. Yeah. Well, interesting. You're a very good advert for Honda, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I've just got to thank you again for, you know, coming and letting us know about it. I, I don't know, rightly or wrongly, you're probably going to encourage a lot of people to have a go at this. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's life. It's good to challenge yourself. And uh, I wish you every luck. Come back and tell us about it when you go for your next run. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd love that. Yes. Um, yeah. Certainly would, would not want to endorse. Yeah. Any sort of dangerous stancer i mean you see you know seems like every day now you you know every other like tiktok videos just you know uh you know dicks your bra or max Risty, you know going 150 miles an hour at, you know winding through traffic and i'm like those that's not what this is like those guys are are have a death wish they're they're not respecting themselves they're not respecting the traffic this is a, a very calculated uh, problem with a, a whole team of people behind you to making sure that you're you're trying to do this as safe as possible and to yeah make sure that you get home in one piece and everyone else gets home in one piece and uh that uh just another way to en enjoy the uh riding bikes that you know a lot of people seem to enjoy so yeah people do find different different ways of challenging themselves on motorcycles so good to hear you're putting safety first yeah absolutely We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much, Andrew. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Ta-da.